Now, Roger Goodell, the commissioner at the podium. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have traded the seventh pick to the Buffalo Bills. With the seventh pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Tredavious White, defensive back, LSU. Jermaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I am your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you. It is Draft Eve, and with the NFL Draft just a day away, I've got a great guest for us here on Water Cooler Wednesday, bringing in Brett Whitefield from Pro Football Focus. Now, Brett is is a good friend of mine, one of my favorite people on the planet to talk football with, but what I really wanted to do the day before the draft is give you a different mind in here, somebody that's not a Bill-centric mind. You know, all of our other guests on Water Cooler Wednesday have been Bill-specific people. Well, we're breaking that narrative. We're going to get the bias out of the way, and Brett is going to give it to us honest here on the podcast. So, Brett, thanks for uh, carving out some time and joining the podcast with me today. Joe, this is like a glorious day. I mean, we've been you know, really, really good friends for several years now. And this is the first time we've ever actually collaborated on anything together. You know, I wanted to wait for the right time, you know, (laughs) and, and I I think this was it. I think this was the right time because, you know, I, I, I like the idea of bringing in you who, you know, you're not a bills fan or you don't cover the bills specifically. And I just, I, the honesty, someone that's going to challenge my opinions, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's funny that we haven't collaborated, but no time like the present, man. Right, huh? All right. So with that, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. Water Cooler Wednesday is all about having organic conversations about the Buffalo Bills. So with that said, Brett, my first question for you is, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about the Buffalo Bills? I think it's got to be average veteran free agent. So that's the first thing I thought of there. You know, you guys, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before we were recording, but just gone through a tremendous overhaul of the roster, just getting, you know, non-viable players out and bringing in just a slew, an absolute slew of just average veteran guys. And it, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it really is a big deal. And you guys have completely rebuilt this roster. That's been one of the big narratives, though. People have said, hey, the Bills have signed 18 unrestricted free agents. But where's the real quality? I know Mitch Morse is is one of those guys that screams, okay, this is your big time, your prize free agent. But by and large, eh, somewhat average players. But thinking about the Bills committing that same cap space literally to nobody last year in dead cap space and now having, you know, potentially 18 roster worthy players makes the Bills a better team, right? Or, or, Or is there something to be said for, yeah, there's not a lot of quality behind this. No, I totally agree. I think anytime you're, you know, you're taking players that really aren't viable. I mean, this team only won what six games last year. Yeah. And you're you're restocking the pond. I think it's a great strategy. You see all these other teams spending tons of money in free agency. I don't mind the strategy of, hey, let's just play this cool. Well, you know, we'll grab a Mitch Morse and uh what was the other one? Cole Beasley was a good signing. John Brown, those were all those were all clutch. Those are good contributing players, and then the rest are just 
you know, either mid-level starters or, or depth guys. And I think that's, I think it's a huge improvement for you guys. So with that said, you mentioned it, this is a six win football team in 2018. Vegas has the bills over under right now set at six and a half wins. And for me, that's hard for me to stomach because I feel like this is a better football team in a lot of ways, not just from the roster, but all these young players like a Josh Allen, like a Tremaine Edmonds, like a Trey white, all these players should be getting better. So you're getting better within you've added more talent, but Vegas says, Hey, you might, you might only be one, one win better. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think betting the over on that is, is pretty logical in my opinion. You know, you look at like six, five, it's kind of an, it's an awkward number, but really, man, with with a quarterback coming into a second year, um, the other first round pick, Edmonds coming into a second year, I think there's a lot of a lot of room to grow. You're you're building this the right way, not getting in these huge free agent contracts, and you're gonna you're gonna build through the draft. I think there's a lot to to uh, to like here, and I think six six five is low, especially when you're in a division with a team like Miami, who mm-hmm. I mean they're they're clearly tanking, and uh, the Jets. I mean they they seem to be on the up and up, but do we really know? I mean, the Jets have been the Jets for so long, it's it's really hard to say. So I think betting the over on six and a half is definitely fair. I think eight is probably a realistic number. To be fair, I haven't done like a deep dive into the into the schedule. You would know more about that. Um, I don't know how it sets up for you guys, but I think I think the over on six five is definitely more than fair. Brad, it's never this easy. But if you if you look at it from this perspective, the Bills play obviously the AFC East, the Bills play the NFC East this year. If you can take two against the Jets, two or excuse me, yeah, two against the Jets, two against the Dolphins, and you beat the Redskins and Giants, all you got to do is go win half your games the rest of the way. You win ten games. It's never, it's never that easy. I get it, but I think there's a there's a path. I did a schedule uh, show when the schedule was released last week, and I had the Bills. I thought they're if they achieved if they won every game, I thought they had a chance to win. They could win 11 games. My realistic prediction was eight and eight. Yeah. And I think that's about right, Joe. All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a look at this roster more specifically. When you, when you look through this, we've got the draft coming up tomorrow, literally tomorrow. The speculation's over. My God, I cannot wait. When you look at this roster, what do you say? These are the, the, the weaknesses on this football team. I mean, the first glaring thing I saw was tight end. I, you know, I know you spent some money on Tyler Croft, but correct me if I'm wrong. You only have two roster tight ends at the moment, right? It, well, it, Jason Kroom, Tyler Croft, and then Jake Fisher, who's converting oh, over that's from right. offensive tackle. That's it. That's the whole list. Right, and that and that could just be a project, kind of like a last ditch to for him to kind of try to save his career. I don't I don't know if that's a viable solution at tight end or not, but yeah, I mean, I I kind of look at this and I think the the Bills are definitely in need of a a number one tight end, a guy who can, you know, really be a difference maker in the passing game, be someone that, you know, Josh Allen can rely on. That was like the first glaring weakness I saw everywhere else. You, you know, you, you have starters in place that I think are, are viable and then you can make upgrades if it, if the you know opportunity presents itself. Let's talk about tight end for a second, because we've got a couple of big name tight ends here in both the Iowa kids and, and a, what I think is a deep tight end class. But I think you see this tight end class a little differently than me and where I might be comfortable with TJ Hawkinson potentially at nine. Maybe that's a little rich for your blood. Uh, your thoughts on the bills going tight end in the top 10, specifically Hawkinson. Yeah. You know, 
every team is different. And, you know, a few different people have asked me this about their team specifically. And I, tight end is just hard. It's, it's a really hard position to stomach in the top 10. It's, you know, it's one of those things where they don't, do they really make that big of a difference? I know if you're looking at PFF data specifically, there's like this growing, you know, importance on players that play in the middle of the field in the passing game, whether it's a slot cornerback or a tight end or a slot receiver, these guys are growing in importance, you know, year over year, essentially. And so if you can get yourself a tight end that, that really capitalizes on that and, and the expected value that you're getting out of that position, I, I you know, I, I'm totally cool with it. I'm not hundred percent convinced Hawkinson's that guy. Um, I think he's a very good prospect and he's a very good tight end. I, I'm comfortable with him in the first round. Um, I think if if the Bills really want to go tight end in the first round, you know, maybe looking to trade back might be their best option. Is there a, is he your, is he your, the best tight end in this class in your view? Would that be the one if they were to do it, or is there a tight end that you specifically would pound the table for? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like Hawk, especially for you know, the bills who've kind of traditionally been like a run heavy team to, over the recent years. Um, I think getting a guy who can contribute in both facets of the game as a, you know, inline run blocker and also a, a pass catcher. I, I think that's a, that's good value for them if they can do a little bit later. I do really like Noah Fant. I think he's got the chance to be a bigger impact player in the passing game, you know, whether it's his, his route running ability or, or just ability after the catch. I, I really like both those guys. Fant, I have some concerns with his drop issues and stuff like that. So um, then he kind of is allergic to catching a contested pass. So th- th- <laughs> <laughs> those things freak me out a little bit. And that's a little bit more why I'm kind of unsettled about, you know, taking that tight end in the top 10. Cause I don't think either of those guys are without blemish. Now, before I ask you what you think the bill should do with the number nine overall pick, I want to turn our attention to the defensive line. And this is where, when I look at the Bills roster, I get nervous. And it's not that the Bills don't have worthy players, guys that should be part of rotations. But I, I look at this group, defensive end and defensive tackle, and I say, and, and these listeners have heard me say this, they could probably say it with me, but Jerry Hughes is the only defensive lineman on the Bills roster that I think can consistently win 1v1 and create plays in the backfield, whether that's a sack or a tackle for loss against the run. Uh, no disrespect for Trent Murphy, no disrespect to Shaq Lawson, Starla Tulele, all pretty good run defenders. Where's the playmaking ability behind the line of scrimmage? Jordan Phillips, Harrison Phillips, rosterable players, good rotational players, not preferred starters. And that's the whole group. And so to me, I I, I think about this draft. We Everybody talks about how good the defensive line talent is. Are you as concerned with this Bill's defensive line or, or – uh, should I, am, am I legitimate in my concerns here? No, you definitely have a legitimate concern. I think, like you said, you've got what seven, eight guys that are, they're definitely rosterable. They're definitely good rotational players, especially when you look in the interior there. What did Harrison Phillips, star Latula Lele? Is that how you say? It? Yeah. Jordan Latula. Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, those guys, you know, they're probably a little bit better as, as run defenders, uh, I'm more comfortable with them as run defenders. You don't really have that interior pass rush that's going to get the job done. And then outside of Jerry Hughes, you're you're relying on kind of Shaq Lawson and Murphy and uh, Eli Harold who came over from Detroit. So, I, yeah, I could definitely see them going defensive line early and often, not just with one pick, but possibly yeah. two. All right. I've never, I've re- see, that's what's so funny to me, Brett, is whenever I, you know, I, I see these draft forecasters 
on Twitter and, and the big name draft guys, they're all talking about offensive tackles and wide receivers for the bills. And I'm like, can we talk about this defensive line? And maybe, maybe I've kind of resolved this. Maybe that's exactly what the bills want people talking about because they're going to go defensive line and make me a happy man. Now I, I am not happy with any defensive line and you know, I'm picky. So it has to be the one that I like, but I, I am in on this defensive line. Uh, before we move on to kind of my next questioning, I do want to ask you one other thing here. I know that Ed Oliver is a sexy pick. Everybody with the Bills uh, Mafia would love to see Ed Oliver be the pick. Uh, who, who else should the Bills be happy with at defensive tackle? I mean, Christian Wilkins, is he worth is he worth number nine overall specifically? Obviously, everyone would love Quinn and Williams. Don't think he gets there, but it feels like the realistic conversation for defensive tackles in the top 10 is Quinn and Williams, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins. Everybody would happy be happy with Oliver and Quinn and Williams, but Christian Wilkins specifically, is he worth the number nine pick? Um, that's probably a little rich for me. I mean, I hate playing this game of like, oh, I like him at nine, but or I don't like him at nine, but 15's great. Sure. And that's yeah. hard to stomach. If you like him at 15, you probably like him at nine. So I think that's probably a little rich, though. There's another guy, though, that I think you would be very good on the Bills who would be worth the nine overall pick, and that is uh, Jerry Tillery. Knew you were going to say that, and I like Jerry Tillery. <laughs> I do like him. I don't think there's any chance the Bills draft him. You know, they're so they're so uh, funny about the people they bring in and personality and football character, and I'm not saying Jerry Tillery isn't those things, but there are, there have been some rumblings about him and that he has other interests besides football and those types of things that I don't think matter, but I think they will matter to the Bills. And I mean, do you think he, I, I know, I know that he grades really well for PFF and I like him a lot. I think he's a top 25 player on my board, but do you, you think he goes in the first round? Oh yeah. No questions asked. Wow. I, I do. Now we have him probably worlds higher than everybody else. I think within our, you know, little PFF community here and everyone that works for PFF, I think we're all comfortable with him in the top 10 even. So, um, you know, saying Buffalo would be a great spot for him. Does that's not that you know doesn't make me sweat at all. However, I do think the rest of the NFL might be a little lower on him. I could see him going in that 15 to 32 range, but I definitely think he'll squeeze into the first round. Yeah, I mean, a skill set like his, it's worth it. I, I totally understand that. All right, so we've talked about this roster. You've heard my thoughts on it. Um, we've talked a little bit about your thoughts on it. Number nine overall, Brett, what should the Buffalo Bills do? Yeah, you know, I don't want you guys to hate me because I know Steve has just put out his final mock today. And I think he's had the same player in all five, five of them so far. Is that true? Do you know that? Or if you're going to tell me Byron Murphy, then yes, <laughs> he always picks Byron Murphy for the bills. Yeah. And it just makes so much sense. Um, so Byron Murphy, I think realistically, despite all the other needs we just talked about, I think Murphy would be the best pick for the bills at nine. Um, you, you look at this defense, man, they, they play so much zone more zone than I think any other team in the NFL, whether that's cover three or cover two, they, that's just, that's what they do. And they've built a really good identity doing it, bringing over that Carolina cover three. And I think Murphy would just be so perfect in that system. Um, and you've got a really good fallback playing with him too, which I like, cause he can probably play in the slot really well. So I probably just lost half of the people that listen to this podcast <laughs> there when you said the Bills should take a cornerback at number nine. So, is this a matter of you believe in Byron Murphy? Do you not believe in Levi Wallace, Kevin Johnson, EJ Gaines? What what is what does this come down to for you? Yeah, hear me out. So our data shows that 
you know, coverage grade is the most core. It correlates to winning more than any other position on defense, specifically from your cornerbacks. So there's literally no such thing as having too many good corners. So if you guys draft Byron Murphy comes in and he's phenomenal and, and Levi Wallace happens to still be good and wasn't just a, you know, a one year wonder UDFA kind of guy, then, oh my gosh, you have three good corners. Who cares? <laughs> you can use three good corners. Um, so I, yeah, that's from a value standpoint, you're just not going to find more value than a good corner in the draft other than obviously a quarterback. But, um, yeah, so it's not that I don't believe in Levi Wallace or Taron Johnson or any of those guys. I, who knows? You know, I think Levi Wallace played really well last year in his limited snaps. Um, and that, and that was promising, but, um, Murphy would definitely fill out that secondary really, really well and, and give you guys the coverage ability to sustain, you know, winning and that's good. So there's your, there's your argument for cornerback. I don't think anybody liked it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Murphy, it? sorry. Murphy's the best zone corner in the draft. If you, if you're a zone heavy team, I don't know how you're not just drooling over this guy. And I know he's got size and length concerns here and there, but just, just watch the film, put the film on. Yeah. And, it's my number one corner. I get that for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So can we, let's, I, there's another corner I wanted to ask you about because you and I, whenever we talk football, we always somehow get to corners. And I think it probably stems from just the information you've learned about how important the position is and it's translation to winning through your job with PFF. Uh, but there's one corner in particular, Rocky Asin from temple who I just think he screams uh, a player. The bills would like, first of all, the, the bills, uh, defensive backs coach went to the temple pro day and he led the drills. So obviously of interest right there, but you know, getting a very close look at him, he's a senior bowl guy, which the bills pretty much almost they've drafted like 14 players over the last two years. And like 11 of them were senior bowl guys. So he checks that box. And then here's the most important box. He checks. He's a state champion wrestler. And that is something that I know Sean McDermott cannot shake. It's something he will absolutely love. So, I don't know if the Bills, you know, he would be a target for probably pick number 40 or if the Bills were to trade way back from number nine. Tell me about Rocky Sin and and if he would be a a player, what you think about him and and how he would fit this defense. Yeah, I I like Rock. You know, I think the the general narrative surrounding him is that he's profiles more of like a press man corner. You know, he's got that size. He likes to be physical, stuff like that. So I. That doesn't necessarily mean he can't fit in that that uh, that cover three. I know Temple they ran a pretty good variety of, of coverages. You know whether it was, I think they're in man, you know, close to fifty percent of the time in zone, the other fifty. So pretty, you know, fifty fifty player. So I don't think the transition into a more zone heavy scheme would be hard for him. You look at the way he tested athletically. I, you know, it's fair to say that a zone might actually suit him a little mm-hmm. bit better. Um, so I like it. I, I think his length is great, and I, I think playing in that cover three. Um, you know, he would service him really well, you know, bills kind of run a little bit of too high stuff as well. You know, some match quarters, stuff like that. And I think, I think rock would be kind of, he'd be able to blend his man coverage skills with, um, you know, with some more zone techniques in there. I like it. Yeah. Every, every zone becomes man at some point, right? <laughs> so, oh, exactly. Especially in the NFL, these guys aren't, they're not out there covering grass. You know what I mean? They're covering bodies. Yeah, that's uh, what you said that to me in one of our conversations. You're like the biggest the biggest no, no with zone coverage is you don't cover grass. And I'll tell you, that spoke to me, man. And it's something that I really focused in on on uh, some of my corner evaluations this year. Um, 
man, my listeners are so mad right now that we're talking corners and the bills. Uh, so let's move on. <laughs> One of the next things I want to get into with you here is the bills obviously have a lot of draft capital, 10 picks, seven of those picks coming on day three. When you think about this 2019 draft, how does the strength of the draft benefit the bills and all of that day three draft capital? Oh, I think it's great, man. Especially you're talking about, you know, how they kind of already went over this roster turnover and they just have an opportunity to keep adding bodies to that and really get some good competitions going in camp. Hopefully kind of weed out the guys who aren't going to cut it and, you know, be able to make some good decisions about how they want to shape this roster going forward. On top of that, Joe, like anytime you've got a bunch of picks at the back end, I'm a big fan of using those to move up back into the, you know, late third, early fourth and, and kind of stock up on those top 100 guys. That's kind of my, my go-to strategy in the draft. I like what you said right there, Brett, because, uh, I don't think you got to think about it like this, right? The bills have a roster, right? They added 18 unrestricted free agents to that roster and now 10 draft picks. Are you telling me that there's 28 new roster spots available on this football team? I think that, I mean, especially with, with a uh, continuous front office and coaching staff, you know, like you'd expect that for a team that's uh, in year one with its new regime, but this is a, a continuing regime. 28 spots is unbelievable to me. And so I've, I've often preached on this podcast that, those two fours, two fives, a six and two sevens, use that capital to move up from 73, which is where the Bills pick in the third round, and 40, where the Bills pick in the second round, and go get your guys. Because at the end of the day, I know the Bills have made good on some later round picks. You, you think about guys like Taron Johnson and Wyatt Teller and Matt Milano, and those have been good late round picks. But if you can get more quality in terms of your returns and turn those, those late round picks into better earlier round picks, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally agree. When you look at the, we already talked about the way they kind of did free agency and rebuilt this roster, but it really put them in a position to do that because there's no, there's other than tight end, there's not these just glaring holes sticking out where they have to draft a certain position. They can actually use some of their capital to go up and get their guys. So I think, I think that's a huge value should serve them very well. And you said something there that's interesting to me. You said, you know, with with what they've done in free agency and Brandon Bean would be smiling ear to ear. And I know he listens to the Lockdown Bills podcast for sure. Right. So he heard you say that. He loves that you said that. And um, yeah, I mean, it really does kind of set the bills up to go with the best player on the board, but also not feel like, man, you've got to get something specific in order to compete or else you're just going to be stuck with a huge hole. Now, maybe Jordan Phillips is your starting three technique is not the most ideal or Tyler Croft is your starting tight end. is not the most ideal, but at the end of the day, those, those are that that's okay. It's not that bad. And so I never want to talk down the draft ever. Cause I'm a draft guy through and through. It's how I make my living, but here's the deal. Maybe just maybe, this isn't the most important draft in the history of the Buffalo Bills and that it's okay to, to not love what they do and to let it play out. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of a weird way to look at it, but if you don't like what the Bills do at number nine, remember this is a front office that has built a roster that everyone's pretty happy with right now that have, have successfully draft over the last two years pretty well. So there's reason to trust them in and of itself, but also there's not that huge of a need. Right. And Joe team's process needs different than you and I do. 
So, you know, fans typically we, we sit down and we, we look at the roster and say they need a guy to play in this spot right now. They like teams don't draft that way. They're drafting. They want to know who can play in that spot, you know, 2020. So they're they're The way they process needs is not just one year. It's not just in this tiny little vacuum. It's several years out. I think it's important to remember when, when you're evaluating a draft class. Last thing I want to bring up with you, Brett, is uh, we talked about trading up specifically using some of that day three capital. I'm kind of of this opinion, and I've said this a lot here. Uh, if, if you do the math, you know, these trade value charts and stuff, the Bills mm-hmm. have pick 40 and they have pick 73. The, the, what that equals to in terms of trade compensation is about pick 25 in the first round. Should the Bills be willing to do that? Should the Bills be willing to package those two picks to move back up into the first round and be without a pick on day two? Yeah, so as, as an analytics guy, I would tell you probably not. I think what our what our data shows is like you want to get as many darts as you can to throw at that board within a certain range. Obviously, sure. the further you get down the line, the less valuable those those darts become. I like I mentioned the top 100 earlier. I love just compiling as many picks in that top 100. This class might be a little deeper, so maybe you can stretch that out a little bit and just throw in as many darts at the board as possible. However, if they are able to maybe trade back from nine, pick up some picks, and then you know kind of move around that way. I think now you're talking about a situation where it would be worth it. Maybe get two, two picks inside the top 18 or something like that. So in here in my mind, and in, in maybe I'm not seeing this correctly, but tell me, tell me what you think here. To me, the only thing you're trading is pick 73. You're already going to make a second pick, right? So you have nine, you have 40, you have 73. You're already, you're going to make a second pick. It's just going to come earlier than 40 at the expense of 73. Is that a bad way to look at it? It's definitely an optimistic way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> See, you want those darts. And, and, and I, I kind of do too. I just kind of like, it goes back to that. Even if you were to do that, you could probably trade two fours to get back into the third. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting too wild with it, but I, I feel like, I would rather see the Bills go with quality here. I, I I don't think there's any way they make ten picks over that span of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It just with the, with that much free agency, that much turnover. You you'd use draft picks. You want to roster those players, right? Like we think the Bills are making ten picks. No, I hear you on that. I mean, that's why I think getting back into the third and and even the fourth again. I think those are probably more realistic options. But hey, man, you, you know. If if they have guys that they love, then go like go get your guys. I'd rather I'd rather a team anytime take a guy that they love than uh, than you know just settle for a few dart extra darts because they they need to. You know what I mean? So, Brett, you've been a terrific guest. Make sure everyone follows him at Twitter at pff underscore Brett. That is two T's in Brett. Anything else? Do you, do you need anything from me? Any comments? Any questions? Anything we need to get out here before we wrap? No, man, I think we're good. All right. So we will find out. The speculation, again, is over tomorrow. Tomorrow on the podcast, I am going to work through my final mock draft with you. We'll we'll talk bills, obviously, very specifically with that. So make sure you don't miss it. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review the podcast. Share it. All of that type of stuff really, really helps. Also, make sure you follow Brett on Twitter at BFF underscore Brett. And uh, looking forward to maybe recapping this with you at some point in the coming months. Brett, thanks so much for your time. Thank you.